We are happy to announce that this episode of the SW Show is partially brought to you by Humble Bundle. Well, not, not really. We are part of the Humble Bundle referral program, and we just wanted to say that if you like really cheap games and maybe helping charity pending the Humble thing going on, all you have to do is go to humblebundle.com forward slash question mark partner equals SWW. That's right. Humblebundle.com forward slash question mark partner equals SWW. And you just do your normal stuff and it just kind of helps us get a couple bucks here and there. Maybe it helps AJ go about his lights. Maybe it's my camera. Maybe we actually pay Corey for helping us out. But again, if you're going to go buy games anyway, it might be worth checking out. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to these interview episodes of the SWW Show. I'm Mike, and today with me a special guest from decently around the world. To get us started, do you mind introducing yourself and the game we're here to talk about? Yes, I am uh, Mike Papagafangelu and I am part of uh, Traptix and the, the game that we are currently developing is called Homesick and thank you for having me. Well, thank you, thank you for being here today. For people who don't know, how would you describe Homesick for them? The easiest way to describe it is a combination in between Frostpunk and Mad Max. Um, should I elaborate? Yeah, that'd be great. If you can, obviously, I, th I think Mad Max. I think is a pretty strong focal point. People, I think Frostpunk. Like I know it is, but I definitely think it's one of those like hit or miss. People knowing what it is. Yeah, so so Frostpunk is a survival strategy game uh, released by Eleven Bit Studios. I think maybe five years ago, and. Um, the, the main difference between other strategy games is that it's very focused on the survival element in the sense that you can act, if you don't manage your city correctly, you actually die. So it's not just about how fast you progress, while it's, but that's the case with the most strategy games, it's about whether you're even gonna make it or not. And, uh, well, the thematic of the Mad Max, I suppose, uh, most of people are aware, but, you know, uh, it's a desert-like, post-apocalyptic uh, thematic uh, where, in our case, water has been completely, almost completely eradicated and it's the most viable resource. That's interesting. So, so water is kind of being the, the, like, linchpin kind of, like, like... Also, a lot of people think of like food or shelter, like water thing, which would you guys kind of, when you guys were thinking of designing these systems, designing the game around the scarcity of water, kind of, did you guys have certain things of like, hey, like kind of design challenges of like, hey, water should never feel enough or there should always be fights, but like, how did you guys kind of think of this water as a limited resource to kind of well, well, framing your narrative? Um... It actually, the first, let's say, the, the catalyst event was that we came uh, upon a research that, an actual research that says by 2040, we won't have enough drinkable water for the uh, population we will have by then, uh, based on the current consumption that we do. And uh, we felt that there is a, there's a lot of material that uh, hasn't been uh, used in video games. Um, that it's easy for us to to use and make a, a realistic world, but uh, simultaneously a world that uh, you know um, hasn't been 
overused in video games. Usually, you know, post-apocalyptic games uh, usually go for mutants or, you know, for, uh, I don't know, something, zombie apocalypse or something like that. We felt that we could create a more plausible story uh, that people can relate with. No, that sounds that is sounds great there. Um, let's kind of talk about how how like the game kind of works from a like turn by turn or like like the gameplay loop point of view kind of. So as a player, I, I jump in kind of obviously I'm building kind of kind of my my uh, my group people there, my colony kind of. How does how does like the player kind of interact with these systems? Kind of what is what is like if I'm a player, what is, what does that look like? Okay, so. The first thing that someone should know is that all the levels in terms of narrative and in terms of level design are pre-designed. They are not uh, randomly generated or, uh, you know, community-based. So every level has a few things that is trying to test the player at. And uh, at the beginning, you start with a very small uh, uh, group of people where you are actually trying to get enough resources to feed them and uh, to help them survive. So citizens actually need water, food, and housing in order to stay content. Uh, but every level has limited resources. So the player has actually to achieve some, uh, some kind of uh, goal before the resources of that level run out. And uh, this is a pattern that you will see on every level where, you know, you get access to something and at some point you're going to lose access on that thing that keeps you alive and you should uh, have done your task by then. And um, in our case, the way that it works is that during the day you can build stuff and collect resources and, you know, feed your citizens and stuff like that. And during the night the citizens are sleeping, but it's a perfect moment to send expeditions and explore the wasteland. And the expeditions in our case is uh, quite emphasized in comparison with other games of the same style in the sense that we have a lot of more uh, a lot more story on them they are actually the only way that you can get new technologies within the game and they are actually the only way that you can probably finish the scenario successfully so these are the two co the two sides of the same coin during day you city build during night you explore and uh, send expeditions that's an so that, that that whenever we see games that kind of dichotomy right it's always interesting to me because from the designer point of view and from you guys point of view it's almost like you have to come up with these two competing systems that that like work together but obviously like it's like two games in one was there was there kind of a way you guys thought of it like hey you should be in day 80 percent of the time or so percent of the time or you kind of thinking of it at the beginning of like hey this should be split pretty down the middle of kind of like which one of these things you're kind of dealing with as a player? It's, uh, it's two different things that we feel, um, let's say, one covers something that the other one does. So, for example, within the settlement, it's hard for us to present a story that uh, changes because you know they, it would be the same location and the same people and stuff like that while while you explore you have the chance to to change the scenery for the player and uh, create new opportunities to to develop the the narrative so expeditions expeditions and the you know the world map as we call it uh, is a space that we can develop that story and simultaneously 
this expedition part is not something that is very heavy on the management of resources and people and stuff like that, which on the contrary, city building is. So we feel that every side of this covers a different base of uh, you know, the universe that we've built. No, that sounds that sounds great. Uh, one of the things I wanted to shout out too, right? So it's one of the selling points of your guys' game is it actually works both in single player and in multiplayer. Do you, do you mind talking about kind of how multiplayer might be different, kind of for players, kind of versus if they kind of just kind of play the game kind of on their own? Mm-hmm. Um... Before I explain multiplayer, I think it would be best to, expl- to explain a little bit about how the single player actually works. Yeah, so when you complete a scenario, uh, you unlock the next scenario, as you can uh, probably guess, uh, and you also unlock uh, the endless mode for that scenario. So endless mode means that you can, it's like the sandbox version of that scenario where you can get to replay the same level in terms of level design, but there is no narrative and there's no pressure to, you know, finish the level. So you can keep playing as long as you can survive and as long as you like. And within the level, you find there are included all the technologies of uh, the the actual game that is on the endless mode okay on the story mode you don't have all the technologies you only have a few that are uh, tied with this scenario so you have the story mode then you have the endless mode and then you have another mode which we call survival mode which is you get to play the story mode scenario after scenario by keeping whatever you get from one scenario and you know, getting it to the next one. So it's like a long-term survival experience. So we have these three modes in single player. And then we have the online multiplayer mode, which the best way to describe it, it's like playing the endless mode. So it's a scenario with no story, but all the text and you you can theoretically uh, live as long as you like. But in the same world map, you can find other players and uh, interact with them. The interactions are done in the same way that the expeditions, uh, the expedition events happen, which is that you are presented with, you know, an event, like you met another player, he has some resources on him, what do you want to do with him? Do you want to steal him? Do you want to fight him? And uh, you have this, let's say, small interaction with other players during expeditions, but the city building part remains the same. And effectively, after a few days, whoever has the most citizens, whoever has done the best management, is the one that uh, uh, wins the game. Well, that, that's interesting, kind of. Um, how did you guys kind of think of treating this kind of multiplayer different than, like, obviously you guys aren't like an RTS, but I kind of think of you kind of, the system's kind of similar in the sense of like how multiplayer kind of works. Um, how did you guys kind of think of making the multiplayer feel fair, but also kind of feel like kind of competitive in the sense of like the problem with a lot of these games are like, if, I, if I'm a really good player and I'm facing a new player, like I'm going to walk the four of them every time. Did you guys kind of on the back end kind of control for any of that? Or are you kind of hoping that people kind of do a little more self-sorting of playing against each other? Um, there is no 
there's no kind of matchmaking if that's what you have in mind but the way the, the the multiplayer is so randomized in the way that the expedition nodes are being placed and the and you know the starting locations are being placed which it's i think it's impossible for even a good player to actually you know find a winning strategy um i think it's the, the entire game and the, the multiplayer as well is about finding ways to make the best out of bad situations and you know you can only handle so many bad situations at a time so even a good player he will have hard times at, at uh, given moments interesting that, that being that being said mm -hmm. there is a certain level of mastery that will certainly give an advantage to the to a player with experience and this is why we suggest that you don't get into the multiplayer like right away you should you know first familiarize yourself with the single player mechanics and then but i think you know the, this is something that every game has as a you know as a practice no i totally agree um that's like like to me the big stuff with that always is right how do you make sure it feels new to player but also kind of how do you make sure kind of players can 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 a natural like develop and learn these systems really well how do you guys so you said yourself like the game is built in a way that that even the most skilled players will always have challenge and always have like this limited resources they must kind of deal with how do you guys kind of deal with kind of making sure it's always a challenge for everyone? Is it just the natural scarcity? Is there some sort of like randomness kind of in these experiences kind of to make sure that even the most skilled of players can kind of have to think on their feet? I mean, the, the, the default, let's say, difficulty of the game is a, is a challenge, but uh, the way that the... So think of it as like that, the, the world map um, has uh, all the technology that the player can't access, uh, that the player doesn't start with, I mean, and every location has its technology once. So it's impossible for the play for even an experienced player to find a winning strategy uh, because he won't get access to that same location every time. Sometimes it will be very far from him. Sometimes he won't even find that, that uh, technology. So he definitely needs to adapt every time. You know, sometimes he might get attacked very early. Sometimes he won't be able to find the other players' uh, expedition parties and interact with them. So it's... You know, it's like, uh, how can I describe it? It's like playing online multiplayer in Dark Souls, where you are actually playing a single player experience. And at moments you will have interaction with other players. And sometimes the other player is, uh, you know, a, 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 a truly great player. Sometimes it's just someone that uh, wants to have some fun and uh, it's not a real challenge. So it's, it's kind of like a sandbox environment where you, you get different kind of results every time. That makes a lot of sense. Um, so as we're talking, by the way, the game comes out in roughly three, four weeks from like the day we are talking right now. Um, I'm kind of curious immediately, obviously you guys have like the demo out on Steam. Obviously you guys mm -hmm. find the back end have play tests going on. How How mm -hmm. is the game kind of looking? Do you guys have like, from your point of view, are you actually getting sleep? Do you have a lot of work kind of ahead of you kind of to make it towards this launch? Are you guys kind of more on the like, fixing some small bugs kind of just make sure it's stable um we are actually at the point that we're trying to make as many improvements as we can based on the feedback of players we just got out of the next fest and during the next fest we had the chance to interact with 
a significant amount of players, both in Steam and in our Discord server. And, you know, every time uh, we have this, uh, um, let's say, the, this big influx of players, uh, issues, uh, comments, you know, uh, always come up, which we take very seriously and we're trying to improve. So we are at a state where we're trying to get as many of these notes done before release. And I mean, even after release, we will continue the schedule. We, you know, we want to create some kind of a roadmap on what kind of new features and updates we plan for the game and stuff like that. But the game is a, it's, it's at a good state. The biggest challenge for us right now is to communicate to the players the expected challenge of the game and the the importance of expeditions, honestly, uh, because it's a, it's something that other games don't really capitalize on. We find that players have a hard time evaluating their importance in our game. No, that that makes a lot of sense. Kind of, how are you guys? Kind of, as you said, one of the things is kind of communicating to players. Is it like? Is it like you're hoping that a bunch of players end up in your Discord servers to kind of so you can help communicate that better? Is it one of those like? As the game comes out more, you can kind of try to, like, kind of visibly kind of say it more, kind of, because, yeah, a big challenge in a lot of these games is the, like, onboarding slash players expecting a challenge, right? Because if, if a player doesn't expect a challenge, it becomes way harder to sell them on the experience, I feel like. Yes. Yes. So, um, I was kind of curious kind of how you guys are kind of handling that communication part. Um, the main channels that we have established is the Discord server, the Steam uh, uh, forum, and the and a feedback form that we have for the players to give us feedback. Um, other than that, um, in terms of onboarding, what we're trying to do is to, you know, we have we're trying a non-intrusive way of teaching the players. Uh, within the game, they can, they, we have an index that can obviously, you know, find a lot of information about the game. But I'm a firm believer that, you know, these things need experimentation uh, from from the player side in order to be educational and, you know, to for for the player to actually remember them. I don't think, you know, if I tell the player just click here, then click here, then click here, he's going to actually take something away from that. So. Right now, what we're trying to pass to the players is that it's okay to experiment, it's okay to lose a couple of times. It is part of the experience. You know, it's not the kind of game you expect to win on the first try. That's what I'm saying. No, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I, I do feel like there is that, that problem of players kind of like, I'm curious if you guys feel this. I've always had, whenever I've kind of done this stuff, I always feel like players have this unrealistic expectation in a lot of games, especially like more difficult games, where they're just like assuming they should be a master of it, like way too fast and way faster than I feel like they should be. And I'm kind of curious if you guys kind of ran into that same problem of just players being frustrated because like they're still learning a system and it kind of beat them into the head. Yes, we have cases like that, but I think the, every game has cases like that. And uh, uh, like I said, it's uh, we're trying to adapt the game based on what the the public uh, needs and wants. But uh, you know, there's so many changes that we can do before this becomes a completely different kind of thing. 
Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. So yeah, as we're talking, the game I said comes out July 20th, 2023. The game is Home Seek. Uh, quick question for you guys. How do we know yet, or is it still TBD of how much the game is going to cost? Um, we will probably go for $25. Right, so $25 and obviously whatever that is in local currencies. Um, as we get to the tail end of this discussion, I'm kind of curious, is there any system or something really specific that you feel that, that the players that should know or that you'd want them to know kind of, so that way kind of to really kind of sell your game of why they should go check it out? Um, they should be aware that it's, it's a game with a lot of story. So if you're into this kind of thing, uh, I expect that it's your kind of game. If it's not your kind of thing, you will still be able to play it and, you know, skip most of the story parts and just focus on the city building. I would, of course, not suggest that you do that. And the way, uh, the reason that I explained the game modes before is because we're trying to build a strategy game that covers, you know, both the players that want narrative, both the play and the players that want, uh, uh, you know, multiplayer, and the players that want something that is uh, more sandboxy. So I hope we got everything. We got something for everyone. Perfect. Well, I want to say thank you again for taking time to talk to me today and, and best of luck as you guys are coming towards this tail end of development and working on the future of the project. Thank you very much for having me. The SW Show and all of its affiliate podcasts are podcast by me, Mike Maroney, and AJ Losey, by, sometimes by our contributors, including Corey King. You can follow the SWW Show on social media at the SWW Show, or sooner or later, you go to patreon.com slash SWW to help us out. Thank you. We hope you enjoy the rest of your day.